0: Welcome to the Leaders in Payments podcast, where we talk to C-level leaders from across the payments landscape. We'll be discussing the products and services that impact the payment space today, as well as trends and predictions for the future of payments. We will also hear stories from our guests about their journeys to the top. We make so much progress. We continue to make progress. And I really do give credit like JP Morgan as an organization, just phenomenal women's network and the work that we're doing. But just a number of other organizations across this ecosystem and what they're doing whether it be promoting women in small business whether it be having a network and workshops women that have left the workplace and coming back into the workplace having those types of programs available for them so there's so much out there that's available but how do we make that more visible how do we get more women engaged
1: That was Mary Lou Gaudio, the president of Chase Merchant Services Canada, and she is my special guest on this episode, episode 240 of the Leaders in Payments podcast. This is our second episode in our series on women leaders in payments. Mary Lou grew up with first-generation Italian immigrants in a traditional Italian household focused on family and food. In fact, she credits her father for her amazing worth ethic that has gotten her so far in her career. Marilyn and her team work closely with the Canadian Payment Network, corporate and franchise organizations, as well as financial institutions and technology partners to both integrate and optimize payments. When it comes to her guiding principles, she cites integrity, honesty, and resiliency as her top three. She also strives to always show up as a student, not an expert, in both life and business. We've got a great episode ahead, so let's get started. Hi, Mary Lou. Thank you for being here and welcome to the Leaders in Payments podcast. And more specifically, thank you for participating during our Women Leaders in Payments month.
0: Greg, it's great to be here and thank you so much for sharing this conversation. I'm looking forward to our discussion.
1: Yeah, me too. So first, tell our audience about your role today and then we'll rewind and we'll talk about your journey and how you got to where you are today.
0: Sure. So I oversee the Canadian Merchant Services business here in Canada I have been with Chase for 15 years, and with our organization, we are a full acquirer, which means we provide payment services and solutions across small business to large enterprise clients. We have a team of professionals ranging from business development, relationship managers, product, consulting, and support functions for all of our clients. We work really closely with the Canadian Payment Network, corporate and franchise organizations, as well as FIs, associations, and technology partners, integrating the payment ecosystem and offerings that we offer. We have an amazing team here in Canada, and I'm really proud of the team that I get to work with every day.
1: Awesome. All right. We're going to rewind a little bit, and we're going to kind of start at the beginning. So where did you grow up, and what was your life like growing up?
0: Okay, So I was born and raised in Toronto, and I grew up with first-generation Italian immigrants and grew up in a very traditional Italian household with, you know, aunts and uncles and cousins and extended cousins at the core. And so everything was about family and food and getting together. We had a great support unit, guests visiting all the time. I also have family in Italy. And growing up, because my mom's mom was in Italy, we got to spend a lot of our summers visiting my grandmother. And so that was a ton of fun and got to explore, you know, so many wonderful places in Italy and just the foundation, you know, of my upbringing and some of the the values. My dad, he had this incredible work ethic, which I attribute much of my discipline related to my work, and whether that be, you know, just being independent how to navigate through things, learning things, like you know, how to be challenged or challenge myself. So I was very fortunate. I had amazing parents and amazing family. I have an older brother and we have a great relationship. He was a very protective older brother, but also, you know, challenged me in a lot of ways to make sure how to do things, how to make sure that, you know, you protect yourself, how to make sure that you know how to do things like, you know, change a tire, you know, if you have a flat tire, So, yeah, I was very privileged in having an amazing family and um, upbringing.
1: Awesome. Well, when you were growing up, would you consider yourself more like the lemonade stand builder or were you more like the planner organizer of the Friday night out with the friends?
0: Oh, gosh, I can say with 100%, 100%, definitely not the planner or the organizer in fact, one of the things I think that would drive my friends absolutely bananas would be they would make the plans, they would spend a lot of time in coordinating, and then I would jump in and be like, yeah, no, I'm, let's not do that. Let's do this instead. So definitely not the planner organizer. I would definitely say more the lemonade stand builder and just having the mindset of, hey, if there's something that I need, how do I go about getting it? What do I need to do to set up? Who do I need to make sure is interested and is, you know, following the same path? So yeah, no, definitely not the planner. A hundred percent more the lemonade stand builder. Okay.
1: All right. (laughs) And so this next question your very first job so so i will go ahead and admit my very first job so i wasn't even able to drive but my mother at the time ran the lunchroom of a local college so she got me the job i think at age 15 of washing pots and pans so my very first job was the summer working in a university washing pots and pans so what was your very first job
0: oh that's amazing look at that the very first job that i had I worked at a daycare. So similar to you, I worked at a daycare where I was enrolling the kids. So, you know, if the kids were at school and then after school, they would come to the daycare, just making sure that, I, you know, I registered them wherever I needed to provide help, you know, whether it be in the kitchen or cleaning up after the kids. That was my very, very first job as a young teenager, and I had thought then, like just right, you know, it's so funny that you you mentioned that. But it was all that work behind the scenes, and you know, that was always really interesting. But working with the kids and getting a chance to spend time with the kids. I thought, oh, gosh, this, this could be something, one of the many things that I thought I would do in my career growing up. I thought perhaps this is something that I would do in the future, become a teacher or, you know, something along interacting with children. Obviously, I didn't take that path, but in the early stages of my career, that was, you know, one of, the, one of the paths that I thought that I would be pursuing. That was my very, one of my very first jobs.
1: That's great. That's great. So let's move forward a little bit in your, in your life. And you started your payments career, I think at, at Chase Merchant Services in Canada. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, but was there something around payments at the time that was interesting to you or was it more like? Hey, there's an opening at this company, and I'm gonna interview for it. Or, or, you know, because I know when I started at Chase Payment Tech, this goes back to like 2006. I kind of just fell into the job. I certainly didn't look at payments as a as a career, which a lot of people do that today. So, just curious, was there something about payments back then, or was it more like there was this job that you heard about and you wanted you were interested in it?
0: That's such a great question, Greg. And when I think back. So I actually started my career in the financial sector. And so I had worked with one of Canada's top five banks and started, you know, at an entry level position. It was a part time job while in school trying to gain some experience. And similar to you, I kind of like just fell into the position And then just grew throughout my career into the financial sector. And so my original position was a part-time position. And I was covering for a woman who was on maternity leave. That position then became a full-time position. And then I led multiple positions within the banking services. And what's so great about financial services in general is just the wide range of opportunities across the different lines of businesses. And so, you know, that includes personal banking or commercial banking, treasury services, investment banking, wealth management. There's just, there was just so many opportunities within the bank. And there was an opportunity within the payment space. And the payment space was not something I had experience in, but it was very intriguing to, you know, just hear more about the payment space, some of the really cool things that they were doing in the payment space at this particular financial institution that I worked at. And so I pivoted from the banking side of things into the payment side of things. And it was really because there were a couple of roles that were available and I thought, hey, this is an industry I'm not familiar with. This is an industry, you know, let me let me learn a little bit more about that industry. And then, you know, 20 plus years later, I'm still in the industry and there were so many opportunities within the payments industry alone, similar similar to just in general within the bank, but within the payments industry, you know, whether it was, back office, whether it be client facing, whether it be finance, whether it be credit, there was all these different there's these different avenues that one could pursue. And what was really cool about the payments industry, it was a very niche market at the time. The top banks, they all had an acquiring division. And they, you know, I'm going to say probably up until the early 2000s, most of the banks were still in the acquiring industry. And then what ended up happening was you had some of these really big U.S. acquirers that were starting to make their way within the Canadian space. And some of these, you know, most of the Canadian banks decided to exit their acquiring business and sell to these U.S. acquirers. And, you know, fast forward 20 years later and here we are. And, you know, you have a number of different payment processors, global international presence, fintechs now making their, not making their way, they are here. And yeah, so it's evolved. It's evolved a a great deal. But, it's always really been a very interesting industry for me. It continues to be a very interesting industry. We've seen how much the payments overall ecosystem has evolved, how it's continuing to evolve, and you know how so many things now are at the core of payments. So It's a pretty cool, fun, exciting industry. And yeah, it's been a 20-plus year career within this industry.
1: So when you started at Chase, what, what area of the business did you, did you start in?
0: I started in relationship management. So I joined Chase in 2008 and we had a a relatively small relationship management group and Chase was really growing market share in the Canadian landscape. And so I joined with the intent of, you know, growing our relationship management team, servicing and the expansion of our, you know, our client base. And then, you know, from there relationship management, client services, also responsible then for, you know, business development within the national space, partnerships. We have amazing clients and amazing partners here. And I've just had the privilege of, you know, working with the customers that we have in our employees over the years. So the role obviously started off in relationship management, it grew into a number of different areas of responsibility, including, you know, some of those that I've cited, as well as, you know, small business loyalty and retention. And so it was a really diverse portfolio that I was able to be responsible for and oversee over the, you know, over my, my tenure here. Okay.
1: Well, I think that brings us to today. And and obviously you've been quite successful throughout your career. So what would you say are your guiding principles?
0: So my guiding principles and foundation for me and my style and just the way I like to interact with people and in turn how you know I I ideally like to be have people interact with me. First and foremost, integrity, honesty. I think those are core and at the foundation of, you know, who I am and the expectations I have, but also just, you know, the ability to be resilient, you know, many times in our industry and, and, and in life for that matter, you just have to be prepared to pivot and what does that mean and how do you plan for that? How do you make sure people are aligned? How do you make sure people are prepared for that? In addition, I always like to be prepared to the best of my ability, regardless of what it is, whether I'm... You know, working with a client, whether I'm entering into a meeting, whether it be entering into a a work session, I always want to make sure that I'm well prepared. I have all my facts. I have the level of information I need in order for me to make informed decisions. It's important for me to listen and hear what people have to say, to be inclusive. And then for me personally, it's just the, what's really critical, I think, just in general is continuing to learn to learn new things, to be challenged, those are, you know, really I think at the foundation of my principles on a regular basis. The other thing I would say that's really important is just surrounding yourself. This is really both personally and professionally. I really like to surround myself with people with positive, you know, positive energy, positive intent. I have been very fortunate. I have an amazing team of people who share the same guiding principles. And there are so many moments that we encounter that, you know, whether they be good times or challenging times, you know, the ability to work in collaboration, share a vision, have, you know, equal-minded individuals that are driven to get things done for our people, for our clients. Those are things that are incredibly important to me, have been, will be, and will always continue to be.
1: We've all heard the terms embedded payments or integrated payments. And of course, it's a huge trend in our industry. But the truth is, there's so much more to the story. So in collaboration with NMI, the fully integrated payment solution built to scale, we've launched the Be Solid campaign, where we're exploring embedded finance with guests from leading companies like KeyBank, Bain Capital Ventures, and more. To listen to the latest episodes, visit leadersandpayments.com or nmi.com slash resources slash podcasts. In a world full of squares and stripes, be solid. Next question is kind of about those eye-opening moments in your career. I think we've all had them and I certainly have. So maybe could you talk about a few of those eye-opening moments in your career?
0: Oh gosh, where do you start with that, right Greg? (laughs) Right. (laughs) There are so many eye-opening moments for sure, but I would say, you know, earlier in my career, I felt like I always had to be the expert on everything. And I felt like I always needed to get into the micro details, had a hard time trusting anybody. Like if I wasn't doing it, would it get done right? Would people give it the same level of attention that I would? And just incredibly particular in terms of my quality of work. And so what I've learned throughout my career, and it certainly comes with experience for sure is that I don't have to be the subject matter expert on everything, you know, surrounding yourself with strong people and asking the right questions and the right level of information to make informed decisions. That for me was one of those things where it's like, Oh wait, it's it's okay. You can let go. You can give people, you know, full autonomy. You just have to make sure that there's, you know, a, a certain expectation of things that if you're looking for information or requesting of certain things to make decisions, the format in which it's done, the type of information that you're looking for, the level of information that you require, and you know that just helps everybody just be more productive. The people that are coming to you to make decisions and people that want to make sure that you're informed with those decisions, those. Sessions become much more productive and way more streamlined. So you're in a position where, hey, everybody's done their homework. Everybody has the facts. We're exchanging that information. The timing in which that information becomes available, how we digest that information, how we talk about what's required. It's just it's a much more streamlined way of making decisions and you know, leveraging people to help gather that information and be available to just make more informed decisions in a much more productive way. That's been a a big eye opener for me where it's like, yeah, you don't have to be the expert. You don't have to be the person, you know, getting all the micro details and that, you know, it's okay to trust people. There's much smarter people out that are doing, you know, great work and you just have to like give people that autonomy. And Just make sure that you have the facts and the right information to make informed decisions. I would say that's one eye opener. Another eye opener for me is this is probably one of those where you learn from others on things of what not to do, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And so throughout my career, you know, I've had people that I've interacted with that I've had, you know, just a great deal of respect in terms of how they manage people, how effective they are, how successful they are, and how they operate. And I've also had people where I have not had that same level of respect and how they interact with people and different styles. And so my biggest eye-opening moment in my career as a leader and quite frankly, as a human being is to learn from what some of those people have done and not make those same type of i don't want to call them mistakes but not practice in that way where it doesn't drive the same type of behavior and you know it ties back to your question earlier around guiding principles and you know why those guiding principles are so important whether that is communication style respecting one another i totally appreciate we are and and, and you know diverse perspectives is so critical and we're not always going to agree but it's how we apply, it's how we speak to one another, it's how we collaborate, it's how we come together, and, you know, how we drive moving forward. Those are some of those things that are, you know, just in your career. Those are some of the lessons learned and some of the eye-opening scenarios where I think that just really contributes to the, the, the person and the leader that you become.
1: Yeah, totally agree. Well, let's switch gears a little bit and talk about women leaders in payments. So, what letter grade would you give our industry and why?
0: Such a great question. And I would say, and you know, there's some days where I would say we're a C plus, and others, other days where I would say we're a B minus. And on the days where, you know, we're a C plus, it's those days where, you know, depending on where you are, you are, what industry event that you are, and you're not necessarily seeing the representation that you know can be there. But I would say that the payments industry in general has and is making progress when i look around the canadian landscape and i look at some of the movement at the senior level and you look at the heads of you know visa mastercard american express they're all led by women and i think that's absolutely amazing and i think there are platforms in this industry that really allow for the greater vis- visibility and recognition within our industry to help promote this just breadth of opportunity for women. And so, you know, areas that I'd like to see more of representation include, you know, areas like in technology, architecture within the payments industry, you know, we're seeing progress for sure on the product design. And certainly, you know, strong areas include like, you know, client facing and business development. But I do think there's always Room for us to do more. There's always room to you know do better. There's great platforms to allow people to you know get to know some of these uh, the amazing talent that we have within this industry. And so yeah, so depending on the day that you ask me, but I'll I'll say that the average right now is I would say a B minus.
1: Okay. Well, what are the things you think as an industry that we could do better or we could do differently to make it better?
0: I would say. Continue the promotion of women in senior roles. Challenge organizations to achieve like specific targets and goals. Making sure that we recognize you know the nuances for women in their career path and build support policies for employees. Challenge organizations and get involved in active women's networks. I think those are you know some things that I would encourage i think those are things that i think are important i think yeah the community our involvement and it lead by example i think those are all very critical okay
1: and some of these things we've we've seen right i mean there there have been advances to your point earlier but there are still other changes that need to happen. Like what can companies, you know, like Chase do or or other companies like to make these changes, you know, happen? And And when do you see them happening? I mean, it's easy to talk about it, but it's the execution of it, right? That's always a, a challenge. Like, when do you see us getting to where that C plus B minus becomes an A? How do we, how do we get there? And when do we get there?
0: And the great news is we are getting there. We're making so much progress. And I think that's fantastic. And I think the how we get there are some of the things that, you know, that I was mentioning a little earlier. And I think, you know, when you think of the payments industry as a whole, just the visibility around the offering of the different career options and then Mm -hmm. the financial client facing architecture, technology, I think, you know, just making a, the ability to have these networks available for individuals to self promote to network. I think those are very important because the opportunities are there and it's how do you make sure that you are going out there to attract that talent to grow that talent whether it be internally or externally what tools are we providing what avenues are we giving individuals to you know enter into this space or learn this space and i really do respect in the payments ecosystem we have active platforms like the women in payments or paytech women and they are amazing you know uh platforms that offer that network availability and promotion and you know encouragement in terms of like hey these are these are the range of different options in this payment space and these are like different sponsors and different leaders and different ways of you know getting to know these individuals and whether that be through you know companies championing and promoting some of these organizations or just even internally leading these Types of uh, networks for women to have a path forward, whether you know it be mentor programs or sponsorship programs. So I think there's there's a number of different avenues and different platforms that are currently available. But how do we adopt those platforms? How do we make those platforms more visible? How do organizations internally, you know, follow suit? to offer those different types of scenarios and opportunities for others to get informed, educated, provide the opportunity to get in front of, you know, different individuals from from an exposure, from an experience perspective. So I think we are, we've made so much progress. We continue to make progress. And I really do give credit, like JP Morgan as an organization, just phenomenal women's network and the work that, you know, we're doing. But, just a number of other organizations across this ecosystem and what they're doing, whether it be promoting women in small business, whether it be having a network and workshops, you know, women that have left the workplace and coming back into the workplace, having those types of programs available for them. So there's so much out there that's available, but how do we make that more visible? How do we get more, you know, women engaged? and then the other thing that i think is very important is for the greg just the work for example that you're doing and some of the the amazing women that you've interviewed it's profiling these amazing women the work that they're doing in this industry you know how they've gotten there the difference that they're making and it's giving other individuals an opportunity to learn about these individuals what they've done, their career path, how they got there. It gives them a platform. Hey, this is an individual maybe I can reach out to on LinkedIn and get some more information. But it's really providing folks a ray of information where they can make some informed decisions about, hey, how do I contemplate, you know, a career in this industry. What are the options that are available for me as an individual that wants to enter into this industry? You know, once upon a time one may have thought, oh gosh, you maybe it's just on the technical side, but that's far from the case, right? Like as I said earlier, the payments industry offers just a spectrum of different opportunities. If you want to be somebody that's client facing, you have that opportunity. If you want to be somebody within research and design, you can do that. If you want to be somebody that's rolling out and creating new products, you can do that. It's so much more than, you know, this just this perception that is just one sided. There's an array of opportunities and there's so many women that have led the way, that continue to lead the way. And I just think it's great for women and individuals just to, you know, when they're contemplating their career and what they should be thinking about. These are all the things that are available for people to have some exposure to, and that helps them educate themselves in terms of what their options that are available could look like.
1: Yeah. And, you know, part of our platform, we do a couple of special months every year. So we do diversity and inclusion, we do women leaders and payments, and we do financial inclusion Those to me, when I started this podcast, were three areas within payments that needed elevated. And I felt like if I Right. If I could dedicate a month to those, have people on who can talk about, especially for women leaders and payments, you know, people like you who have been successful. What are the keys to you being successful? Are there, you know, younger females, women listening to this show that are gonna hear you and it's something's gonna resonate that you say. So trying to, I guess, you know, broadly is is provide a platform for, you know, those three things is, is kind. Was my goal, but you know, in, in having done this several years now, one of the things that that kind of dawned on me was, you know, we talk about women leaders, but what about the ones that are like in college? Maybe like they've taken fintech courses, which of course, when I was in school, didn't exist. I don't think the word fintech existed, but you can take fintech and payment courses in college now, and you can look at this industry and say, and I think you mentioned it earlier. I mean, it's such a big, broad industry now. It's a whole ecosystem around money movement, whether you want to call it payments or fintech or or money movement, it doesn't matter. I think kids are coming out of college and they're like, oh, I want to build a career. Well, let's say someone just graduating from college, they come to you and they say, hey, what do I need to do to be successful in the payments industry? What would you tell them that they should do to be successful?
0: Oh, and I love this question. And I love this question because I have a regular opportunity to have, you know, this conversation, whether it be with analysts or students, it is something that, you know, is just so important for us to be able to, you know, coach or give advice in those scenarios. I would break it down there's you know, four or five. One is, you know, get the skills. So as you, you know, may in your career have experienced, but in the past, Women were historically involved in what we classify as STEM. So like science, technology, engineering, mathematics, right from the early education. That's changing. And I love that. And it's great to see that's changing. So I have nieces. And so, you know, it's always a matter of like, like saying to them and to others, like encouraging your daughters, your nieces, they're the future. They're the future of this industry. They're the future leaders. And their skill set in this workplace or other is so valuable. So get the skills, right? Get the skills, really critical. Abilities. When we talk about emotional, social intelligence is so important. And I think what happens a lot of times is people sometimes take that for granted. And what, you know, why is that important? And it's important because you need to be in a position on, you know, how do I need to be thinking about this? Critical thinking is so imperative to think about innovation. That has nothing to do with gender. That just has to do with how you are adapting to certain things, how you need to be exposed to certain things. And then in the industry of payments, this is so important because that's how you progress in the payments industry. Communication. Communication is the one area I think for all of us, <laughs> yes. and regardless of industry, I think it is so critical to make sure that your voice is heard. If you're sitting at a table, make sure people know who you are, what you, what you represent, and that you have an opinion. And one thing that I, I emphasize a lot is if you're sitting at a table and you have an opinion and you need to you know, make a comment or question something, don't walk away from that meeting without taking the opportunity to do that in that meeting. And not do it outside of that meeting because your voice needs to be heard during that meeting so people understand who you are and what it is that you're trying to say. And what I've seen happen is because the payments industry, and Greg, you know this just from your experience, the payments industry is incredibly complex. And if you're in a meeting and you think that people understand or people know and people are not asking the questions and then they're walking away thinking that they understood something and it's not what they understood. That could be to, you know, just more work and just frustration, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So just make sure that you're communicating, you're asking questions, and that you have a voice and that your voice is heard. The other thing that I would recommend, and I do this for myself as well, is just continue to stay informed. Do your homework. Do your research. Know what's happening outside of just, you know, the Canadian, for example. Yes, you know, I'm based out of Canada but also understand what's happening in all the different markets, whether it be in Asia and Europe, in Latin, US, et cetera, it's really important to stay abreast of all of the trends that are happening in the industry. And this way you are well informed. You can be a leader ahead of, you know, the mindset of others. And it also gives you a really good indication of, hey, this is this is something that's super exciting that I would like, hey, maybe we're not doing this here in this country now, but you know, fast forward two years, I could play a role in contributing to that. And so I would say those are some of the things that are really important. And then the last thing that I think it just ties to what we were talking a little bit about earlier is like just build your network. Just who are some of the key people that you need to be familiar with? How do I reach out to people on social media, whether it be LinkedIn or others? How do I participate in these women's events? How do I make sure people know who I am, what I can contribute? How do I get more informed of what they're doing, how they're doing it? Those are some of the things that I would say or give advice on. I think those are all really important.
1: Yeah, I, I think those are all very important. I can't, I can't say one was, would be more important than the other. I think you're right. You kind of bring it all together and that's, that's some great advice. Let's wrap up with this one final question. Maybe. Tell the audience a little bit about what Chase is doing specifically that helps foster this environment where, you know, women can be successful and and can bring their full selves to work, you know, and be successful. So maybe talk a little bit about the, you know, what Chase specifically is doing in this area.
0: I am so proud of the organization that I work for and the just social economic responsibility around just making a difference. And so we have a uh, women's network here at Chase, and it really embodies a number of the things that we talked about, but we're incredibly active on the Women on the Move effort, and it's really providing, again, a platform, a network for women to hear other women and their career journeys. You know, we have a fast-forward program that provides personal and professional development journey. We also have Men as Allies, and this is a great program that we offer where you have you know, men within the organization, and it's a buddy program, kind of like a mentor slash sponsorship. So partnering with senior male leaders and women and employees, and we do a number of different events on that front. We're very active in sponsoring different women programs, whether it be Women in Payments, whether it be paytech women, but it's just making sure that we are providing that level of support, that sponsorship, the engagement model. And, you know, those are just some of the things that we're doing, but we're very active on this front. And we have amazing women that, you know, volunteer their time in these programs to really make a difference, provide the ability to have different venues in order to bring women together to make sure that women have the right tools, the women have the right information, the right, you know, level of support in order for them to be successful. And so, yeah, it just makes me very proud to be working for an organization that uh, takes this amongst other, you know, social causes very seriously.
1: Great. Well, Mary Lou, we've had a, a great conversation so far. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we wrap up?
0: Gosh, I would just say, Greg, I really appreciate you uh, taking the time to meet with me. I want to thank you for the difference that you're making in this platform to allow for, you know, the different individuals that you're interviewing on a regular basis. And I think, you know, we all take inspiration from amazing men and women and how we can influence and affect change. And so I think it's, you know, on all of us in order to take down those blocks and open the path and just provide whatever support we can to individuals, to all individuals to be successful.
1: Great. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. I know your time is very valuable, so I really appreciate you being here.
0: For sure. Thank you so much, Greg.
1: And to all you listeners out there, I thank you for your time as well. And until the next story.